Five o'clock in Pirate Country and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Great homecoming. Uh, we're in the lobby of Ellis Simon Gymnasium. It's a place that I've been uh, coming to since I was probably four or five years old. And uh, here at Parrot Academy, where I'm a graduate of, and it's uh, a thrill to be back here today. Uh, we've got Cliff Godwin coming up. We're going to have uh, some mentions of uh, the uh, uh, local kids and ECU kids drafted in the NFL. But we are starting off. We've got the ultimate leadoff hitter on the Patrick Johnson Show here today. Uh, there is a brand new book out. It is written by our friend Bethany Bradshaw. It's called Covering All the Bases, George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball, and none other than the man himself is here beside me uh, here at uh, here today. Coach, it's great to see you. Patrick, it's always good to see you. Always good to be with you. I was telling you, we were on the air twenty, roughly 20 years ago doing a, a radio interview. I've graduated from Kinston to Greenville, so I guess that's a move up as yeah. far as the uh, radio station goes. But um, but it's just, you know, it's funny how these things come full circle. We're, here we are today talking your life and talking baseball. It's great. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Many interviews in between, I might add, as well. How did this come about? This is, uh, what a project this is. And Leo Hart uh, wrote the forward for it. Yeah. Leo uh, is a Kinston boy, and I've known him since he was a little guy, and I followed him all through his career at Duke and at Kinston when he played for Paul Jones and George Thompson, and the, asking answer the first question, probably uh, Claude Kennedy, Reed Parrott, and uh, Mary Lou were responsible for this book. Okay. I kept sort of, they told me I ought to write a book, and I kept kind of avoiding it, <laughs> and then they went and saw Bethany Bradshaw and hooked up with her and had it happening before I knew what was going on. Wow. And then told me after the fact that I was getting ready to <laughs> do some interviews. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, when you look at I just want to make sure I have the whole litany right here. Obviously, high school. And I think uh, there was a time uh, when you were the all-time winningest coach, if I'm not mistaken, at the high school level. Uh, you, were you involved in Legion heavily? Remind me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Legion. And, I mean, there's, there's Hall of Fame numbers there as well. Obviously, we remember your time at ECU as an assistant. I believe a part of the Mount Olive program uh, as well. Yeah, I was Olive athletic State. director over there for yeah. a few years. And then you got South Central started. You were AD there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yep. So there's not anything you haven't done, it seems like. I don't know about that, but I've had, <laughs> I've had a lot of fun, and I've certainly been blessed. 
Uh, the great George Whitfield. Coach Whitfield is here with us. A brand new book, Covering All the Bases, George, Whit- George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball. Uh, the book release uh, happening here today in uh, Kinston, and uh, we'll be talking uh, later with Bethany Bradshaw. We'll be talking with others uh, and let you know how to pick uh, this up. But boy, what an, uh, a tremendous honor uh, today to have this, uh, this book written about you. And this covers everything, doesn't it? I mean, this just isn't necessarily baseball. This talks about your whole life, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think Bethany's started when uh when i was a little guy yeah <laughs> yeah I, I didn't realize uh, you were uh, an, or, uh, an orphan i don't uh, yeah, yeah. I, I lost my mother when i was a year and a half old she died of a heart attack at 34 years old which oh, was unheard of back yeah. then and then uh i was born in new york city and then when my mo- i thought the accent was similar to that of new york when yeah. uh, <laughs> my mother died uh, daddy was just grief stricken and so he decided that he would move our family back to Kinston area, okay. and because he's actually from Lagrange, is that right? Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh huh. And how'd he end up in New York? Well, he started out, uh, went to uh, dental school at okay. the University of Maryland, and then he started a dental practice in Goldsboro, and I think he became disillusioned with the dental thing, and for some reason he got hooked on horse racing. <laughs> and he became wow. uh, loved the horses, and he followed them from uh, Florida to New York. I got you, and uh, just loved them. And uh, so, your family moves back to to Kinston. Yeah, we mm-hmm. moved back to Kinston, and that's where uh, it all started. Yeah, George Whitfield is is with us here. I, I find it, um, you know, it, it's you could just do one thing in baseball, and you probably uh, would still have a, a great reputation. But you decided to do things that did allow you to grow the game. Uh, the Legion situation, I mentioned that. I mean, I, I know baseball guys just love to be around the game no matter what. Uh, obviously, our great friend Rabbit Fulgham, another great winner, uh, is, uh, was involved in Legion all those years. RV's involved with uh, baseball over in Greenville uh, at the uh, Little League level all the way up. Uh, it seems to me that guys I'm talking about there, and that's some pretty rarefied air. Yourself, Fulgham, Ronald Vincent. You're not just involved in one thing. You're involved in everything to do with, uh, with baseball at all levels, kind of grassroots. Well, the way, the way I always felt about it, I wanted to coach uh, the high school team, but I also wanted to coach the boys in the summertime and uh, be around them and be with them. So when I went to Goldsboro, uh, I, that's what I did. I coached high school, and then I coached the Legion team. And then when I went to Richmond County, uh, I, I did the same thing. I, I took Carson Oldham's place, who became the principal, and he's actually the one that invited me to come to Hamlet. And uh, so he coached the Legion, too. So I just picked up Legion baseball and uh, have always enjoyed it. And then when you got through Legion ball, it was time for football practice. Because <laughs> back when I was in high school at Granger High School, mm-hmm. everybody played everything. Right. Football, basketball, and baseball. So, what was Leo Hart's best for? Obviously, Leo, football. Leo Hart was an outstanding football player, but he was awful. He pitched a no hitter uh, right. for, for Kinston in high school baseball, and he was a good basketball player for Paul Jones. See, I always heard he was a great athlete in all three. He was. He really was. And football is just kind of where he, you know, wound up. Yep. Obviously, so. he uh, he's a first class young man. Had a great career at Duke. Yeah, sure did. And. Uh, Paul Jones, there's another great name. Yes, he uh, Gosh, I, I, that was a guy I had a great deal of respect for. I know my dad uh, did as well, and uh, Coach Jones was great to my dad when he when he moved to Kinston uh, all those years ago. So A lot of people don't realize this, Patrick, but when uh, 
I was getting ready to do my practice teaching in 1958. Okay. And uh, back then, Dr. Deshaw was head of all the practice teachers at East Carolina. And uh, the rule was that you would do your practice teaching not at your local school. Well, my mother had had a heart attack, and so we were living in E4 Kinston Apartments, which is only a few blocks from the high school. So I went to Dr. Deshaw and explained to him my plight. And uh, so he uh, bent the rule and let me do my practice teaching at Granger High School. Okay. And who do you think? I was his, Paul Jones's first practice you were, teacher. You were his first practice teacher. In 1958, teacher. How about he that? came to take Coach Sexton's place. Yep. And we were very close friends. Yeah. Good man. He really yeah, uh, was a good and, and, and like you, coached everything. Yeah. And I think won a state title in baseball. He did. Yeah, well, yeah he sure did. did. Yeah. With Leo Hart. With Leo Hart. There you yep. go. Yeah. Uh, but I know, uh, just loved to coach. I mean, I, I remember when he kind of retired, he and Paul Murphy went over. Went over to Aiden. He went over to Aiden and coached with Coach Murphy. Yep. And, they, boy, that was a lot of experience, a lot of wins on good, that bench, good wasn't Lord it? Lord have mercy. <laughs> you better believe it. Lord have uh, mercy. We've got George Whitfield here covering all the bases. Uh, it is the George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball, and our great friend Bethany Bradshaw has uh, written it. The thing that um, I think the, there's two things that people say about George Whitfield. There's many, but there's two <laughs> that come to mind. How competitive you are but how you do things the right way, and you've always tried to teach life lessons while being competitive, and I think we're missing a lot of that nowadays. But, but the other thing that I've always, is that you have just such an energy about you. It's never, I, this it seems to me, it might not be the most comfortable thing for you, because you're never one to talk about or look back on the good old days. You're always looking at the next thing ahead. I mean, even here at Parrot a few years ago, won a state title. So, I mean, you're always moving forward. Uh, that's the thing I've always kind of admired about you, Coach. Well, I've, I've been blessed by the good Lord with good health for most of my life. I've had two hip replacements and a back surgery. But uh, I enjoy getting up in the mornings, and I don't sit at home and do nothing. So I try to get out and stay busy, as busy as I can. You uh, did win a state championship here in 2015, I believe. With uh, yeah, it was 2015. How was uh, how was that to come back and, and you know kind of coach that generation of, of young guys? Well, I, I was told Patrick that uh, that I wouldn't enjoy it, but really, I, yeah. But and the, the reason they told me that they said that if I asked the boys to play in an Easter tournament, that they probably wouldn't because they were going places during the right. So yeah, I, I asked Dr. Bright if he would let me have a meeting. Uh, soon after I told him that I would do it. And I told the boys, I said, there's no way you're going to get better unless we play good people. I said, so there's a big Easter tournament over at uh, Fike High School. They'll mm -hmm. play at Fike and Hunt and those different fields over there. But we need to be in it. We need to get involved in it. I said, there are 32 teams going to be in there, and a lot of them are 4A teams, and a lot of them are 3A teams, bigger schools than we got here at Parrot. But if we work hard, we have a chance to compete. And uh, I said, so you go home tonight and ask your parents. And if they say that uh, you, can, you can stay, you come back tomorrow and let me know. Well, every one of them said, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Wow. So uh, we did. We went over there, and uh, we were facing a boy who was on a scholarship to Duke that was pitching for Hunt High School, and we got eight runs off of him in the first inning. <laughs> and from that day to the end of the season, the boys started thinking, well, you know, we, we can play with these guys if we hit and catch the ball yeah. and play with this guy. And so I never told him any different. We were, we were fortunate <laughs> to win the state championship. Yeah. 
I tell people it was beginner's luck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that was your, that first year uh, of doing that, too. Yep. Uh, we've got George Whitfield here. There's a brand new book covering all the bases, George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball. And uh, Claude Kennedy has uh, put all of this uh, together. He was telling some great stories. Cliff Godwin told me some great stories oh, uh, Lord, uh, not... today. And it just seems like whenever we uh, have an opportunity to, to bring your name up, everybody's going to have a story. So I'm going to... I'm going to roll a couple names out there, and I want you to give me your best story on them. Let's start with uh, Coach LeClaire. Coach LeClaire, uh, one of the finest men that I've ever known, he called me. I, I had just gotten over prostate cancer surgery, and he called me the first day that he came into his office at East Carolina. And he said, Coach, how you doing? I said, well, I'm good. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, right now I'm eating cornflakes for <laughs> breakfast. And he said, well, sometime later on today when you get a chance, drop by the office. This is my first day on the job. And the last time I talked to you, I was speaking at your clinic in Richmond County. So I went on over there and uh, walked in and shook hands with him. And I noticed he got up and closed the door. And I thought, this is kind of strange. <laughs> and uh, he said, Coach, I'm going to beat to the chase. He said, I called you over here because I'd like to uh, pass. I'd love for you to come over and help me out. He said, we cannot uh, pay but three coaches, so it won't be a paying job, but I'll take care of all your expenses on the road trips and everything. And he said, I think that uh, you will enjoy it a great deal and have a lot of fun uh, doing it. And I said, well, uh, Coach, I said, I don't usually make quick decisions, but I said, I really believe I'd love to do that. And uh, I can honestly say, and I've said this before, a lot of things that we do in this life, we don't get paid for. And I didn't get paid during the time I was over at East Carolina, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for going over there <laughs> and having an association with Cliff and Brian Ward and, mm -hmm. and Clayton McCullough and all those guys. And it turned, it turned out great. Cliff Godwin, give me a, a thought on Cliff Godwin. One of the most hard-nosed players that I ever saw play in high school or college and uh, doing a great job coaching the Pirates. And uh, I'll be pulling hard for him this weekend against Tulane. And if anybody can get us to Omaha, it's Cliff Godwin. Uh, we've got George Whitfield here. Uh, let's uh, stick with Green County, James Rabbit Fulgham. Uh, a great friend, one of the greatest coaches I've ever seen. Uh, kids uh, play hard for him, and he's just a good human being, and uh, his kids loved him. Tommy Eason. Tommy Eason, another great hard-nosed kid. Uh, as a high school boy and as a college boy, I've never seen a boy that goes got wet all over like he did. He played hard and uh, was, was, was my roommate, actually, in the years I was at East Carolina. <laughs> I roomed with him yep, on the road trip, so we had a good time. Uh, let me ask you about RV. Give me a Ronald Vincent. RV is, is a good friend. What a career he's had. And I always tell RV, I said, you know, you, you've won more games than anybody else. But the thing that I'll remember most about you is the way you've treated Marvin Jarman. Yeah. I said when, yeah. when, when they lay you down to rest, it won't be about the hundreds of wins. It'll be about the, the type of person you are to have taken him on and been such a close friend to Marvin and given him a life that he would have never had if it hadn't been for RV. And basically, Marvin now, I mean, everybody knows RV, but everybody knows Marvin. Yeah, that's right. Everybody knows Marvin. Yeah, they you're not really kidding. do. Everybody. And, uh, and Marvin's a great fella. Yeah, he, he really is. Uh, we love Marvin. Uh, Joe West. Joe West was a. Uh, Claude and I went to visit Joe West in Chicago to see some Cub games a few years ago. 
had the ride of our life up and down some streets. And Joe <laughs> is a super guy. And he played Legion ball for Greenville against me when I was coaching. Wow. Yep. How about that? Uh, when you look back at your, you know, legacy, when, when, I mean, you had the book written about you, obviously. But, I mean, when you look back and, and reflect, and, again, I know that's not necessarily uh, in your DNA because you're always so forward-thinking and moving forward. But uh, what do you hope people will say about you? Uh, I hope that they will say that, uh, that I was fair and that uh, I love my kids. I gave some second chances to some of them, but uh, I had a deep love for every boy I've ever coached. Yeah. I, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. Good and, to talk to you. Uh, this has been a great, a great treat for me personally and a lot of fun, and I'm excited about this uh, book that Bethany's written, and I'm uh, looking forward to uh, all the events going on here today on the book release. So <laughs> Thank great you to so see much. You, it was great to talk to Coach uh, Whitfield. We have uh, his book. It is available, and probably the best way to do this. There's various ways, uh, but Bethany Bradshaw, who's written this, you can email Bethany, bethanybradshaw at gmail.com, bethanybradshaw at gmail.com. And uh, in 11 days on the 14th, she will be at Great Harvest with Henry and Trent for Talk of the Town, so you can uh, pick up a copy of the book that day at Great Harvest. But if you want to get a, a copy, if you email Bethany, Bethany's full service. She'll uh, get you the book. Uh, what a uh, great uh, opportunity to talk to one of the great legends uh, and a uh, fabulous book. And uh, we're very excited to be here today uh, covering it. Uh, but you can uh, get that through Bethany Bradshaw and other uh, avenues as well. Uh, but it is a great book about... Uh, our great friend, George Whitfield. All right, a uh, timeout, and uh, we will come back and uh, have more from uh, APA Today. Stay tuned. We'll also have uh, Cliff Godwin coming up a little later in the program on uh, this Monday Patrick Johnson Show. Play Travis in the mornings, Adam Gold midday, and Patrick Johnson on the way home. You guys are a good team. We've been slept all week, but thanks. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for Your home of the ECU Pirates, Clay Travis, Dan Patrick, and Adam Gold. Hashtag lots of options. 94.3 The Game, Eastern Carolina's home for sports. You're looking at a big sports fan right here. And now, back to the P-Man. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. What a uh, day to honor the uh, great... George Whitfield with his book released today. Uh, very cool stuff. And uh, again, Bethany Bradshaw, you can reach out to her. Uh, there's also some other ways uh, you could send a check to Claude Kennedy. We'll give you that P.O. box. Thanks to Claude Kennedy for putting this together today. The book covering all the bases, George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball. And uh, it is uh, quite a book and uh, a lot of great folks today heading out. They're very excited about this. And Ben, uh, you've got a lot of fans here today. I don't know if you knew that, but you, I've had people come up and uh, make mention about uh, how far Ben Byram has come. Well, I love all time. my fans. <laughs> they say you chime in at the right time. I disagree. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, uh, Cliff Godwin coming up in a little bit. Uh, in fact, on our uh, Inside the ECU Clubhouse, we do talk about uh, Coach Whitfield with Cliff Godwin, so uh, you won't want to miss that. Um, of course, the draft. Uh, let's uh, first of all congratulate Deontay Smith. 
uh, from ECU going in the fourth round of the Bengals. Got a good uh, chance also, to play, too. No, no, he certainly does. Uh, Blake Prohl, congratulations to Blake. He is signed on as a uh, undrafted free agent with uh, the Vikings. So that's one of those situations you kind of get to pick where you go if you're signing as an undrafted free agent. You know, they work those deals. Uh, but congratulations, too, to uh, Greenville native Cornell Powell. And Cornell's going to be with us on the show tomorrow. Uh, looks like it's going to be a phone deal, but we're going to have him about this time tomorrow. So that'll be wow. uh, coming up. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, we were trying to get him in the studio, but he's got some NFL PA obligations tomorrow. And uh, uh, so congratulations to him. Panthers, well, we're trying to also get John Ellis on tomorrow. I, you know, he really, there's some parts of this draft he liked. Um, and there's some parts he didn't. John Ellis, what, what's the Twitter handle for Ellis again, Ben? It's uh, at One Panther Report or something like one that. One Panther Place. I at believe. One Panther Place, and he's kind of a you know a podcaster that covers the Panthers and has gained some some level of notoriety. And and I, I thought he was great when we had him on the show. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to getting him on uh, sometime here soon, uh, hopefully tomorrow, and if not, then Wednesday. But uh, look, I, I agree with you, Ben. I think Deontay Smith's got a great shot at playing. Uh, Lewis Riddick had a lot of really good things to say about him uh, on Saturday, and. Uh, Look, the Bengals need some help, especially at that left tackle. So I think if uh, Smith continues to develop and blossom, he's going to be a guy that uh, could have a nice career in Cincinnati. We'll see. Uh, you know, the Blake Pearl thing, I, I don't know enough about what, um, you know, those discussions look like, but I, I just know those, that's one of those instances you could kind of pick that's a in a situation that's better for you. Ben, you may have a little better handle on – uh, special teams as far as returns in the receiver room for the uh, Vikings. Uh, it is tough to stick, as we know, in that, you know, undrafted uh, situation. But who knows, right? Well, I'll say this much. Adam Thielen, their best receiver, was an undrafted free agent. So, I mean, they'll give him a point. shot. They'll give him that a is shot. A, that's a great point, Ben. That's a great point. See, this is why that uh, the gentleman, Mr. Parrott, <laughs> Thought you were a great contributor. There. This is why I have loyal <laughs> fans. Right. And then um, let me say this about Cornell Powell. I, I think Cornell has wound up. Cornell is going to have a more productive professional career than he did uh, career at Clemson. And this is not to say he was not a great player at Clemson this past season, uh, but it took him a while to get on the field. And when he did, he was sh able to show what he wanted to do. Now, part of that, I think, is obviously Clemson's had some uh, just a, an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver the last few years. Oh, right? yeah. And so it's hard to get on there. But I mean, you know, Sonny and I always use Jason Alder. Sonny and I used to always talk about, you know, if he goes there and if he's on the field by his junior year, he's, he's going to have a shot. It took a little while longer than we, we maybe thought it did. But, you know, I think had we can look back at Monday morning quarterback. That's all we want. Had Cornell gotten on the field a little more as a junior or, or, you know, in the 19 season, I think you probably would have seen him be a little bit of a higher pick, but still look, at least he's going to Kansas city, which what do we know about Kansas city, Ben? They have uh, been to the last two super bowls. Great. Coaching. They are a, they are a class organization with a great offensive coach, a great offensive head coach, the best quarterback in the game. And if he can, if Cornell, I think if Cornell can, Cornell's going to learn how to be a professional. And this is, if, if I think if Cornell can get through the next couple of years and continue to develop, he's going to have a long career. I mean, look, 
if you talk to and now T-Cop loves everybody. T-Cop's real positive. He's easy he to get along it. with. But T-Cop, I think if you really, really had to ask, because Terrence played some great places. And I think if you asked Terrence, Terrence, where was your favorite place? He would tell you Kansas City may be it. Um, because, you know, it's it's a big city, but it's not overwhelming. Loyal fan uh, base. Fan base is like a college fan base. So I think for Cornell, this is a great landing spot. It's far away, but it's not too far away. I'll say this much about Cornell with Kansas City. He's probably going to compete at the X spot for wide mm-hmm. receivers. And mm-hmm. if you look at that area right now for the Chiefs, you got Byron P- Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, and Antonio Callaway. And I'll I'll say this straight up right now. I think he had better competition at Clemson, so I really believe he's got a shot to make an impact right away with, with the Chiefs. And people may disagree with that, but I, I honestly believe it. I, I think he can pull it off. I was talking to an NFL guy the yet uh, today, actually, a guy who kind of is a scout, and we were talking a little bit, and we were talking about Cornell Powell, and he said he he's also bullish on Cornell Powell and his future, and uh, this is funny. Who was the kid at Ohio State that was the the heralded uh, corner that was that Cornell just abused in the national semifinal? Was it Wade? Wade? Yeah, yeah, it was. So that guy was a first, everybody was talking about that guy was going to be a first round pick. Remember that? He dropped. <laughs> he dropped because Cornell time after abused that. him. After Cornell that, he ab- dropped big. T- he was the guy Cornell threw to the ground, wasn't it? Yep, exactly. Cornell threw him to the fifth round. So I, I really think Cornell's going to have a, <laughs> a, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. I've texted a little bit with Cornell over the weekend, and uh, he's just a class guy. He always has been, and we're excited to have him on uh, tomorrow. Uh, your Panthers, Ben. Your Panthers. Oh God! Don't get me started. I'm gonna let you really hammer them tomorrow because we're, uh, you know, we're gonna be. I'll be ready. On time here, but I, I, I'm not wild about the the Horn first round pick. Not that I, I think it was a bad pick. I just think where it was in the first round was not a good pick. Um, whether they could have traded, I mean, they traded back in every round except the first, and they probably could have traded back and got even more picks. Um, Horn would have been there. Still, he would have been there. Yeah, Horn would have still been there. Um, the second round pick, I, I, I just don't wo- know why. That, that was a woozy pick right there. It made no well, sense. The first two picks to me, Horn could have still been there if you traded back. And the receiver, I don't understand. That, that's not a real neat area. Now, I do think the kid out of BYU, as I've read more about him yesterday. My favorite pick. I, I, I think. Getting him in the third round is going to be a steal. I think he's he's measure with all the measurables. He's a better athlete than uh, he probably uh, looks like he is. If that makes, I mean, he, he probably you're probably not thinking this guy's very athletic, but I think he's a pretty good athlete. He's agile at that position for the yes, left tackle. Yes, very position. much so, very much so, and he and he's big and he's solid. And I, and I think the kid out of BYU is going to be a great uh, addition. We could get into more of it. I mean, they drafted a long snapper for crying out loud, whose dad was a long snapper. It's like in horse racing. His, the lineage. His, um, There's a theme right. here. It's like in horse racing. His mother was a mother. But it, this, the guy's the long snapper's dad was a long snapper. So, And he's out of Alabama. So what more do, can you say? All right, uh, Ben, uh, let's let you update uh, some big news coming a little earlier today out of uh, UNC with, as far as basketball goes. And speaking of guys that wore number three at Rose and played receiver, the most recent guy 
who wears that numeral, uh, did this past year for Rose, has made a college commitment just within the last couple of hours, and some uh, Pirates on the Diamond, despite a tough weekend at Wichita, were honored. Ben Byron with all the details you need to know right now. Thanks, Patrick. We start with Pirate Baseball as they split their series on the road over the weekend against Wichita State. They're set to be back in action this weekend against Tulane. In the meantime, the AAC released their weekly baseball honors, and among those recognized includes Pirate freshman infielder Zach Agnos and ECU junior pitcher Gavin Williams. We got some great news from J. Rose football's wide receiver Kevin Hamilton is committed to NCANT. Hamilton had 52 catches for 639 yards and 13 total touchdowns this past season for the Rampants. From the NFL draft, some former Pirates find themselves in the big leagues. We start with former Pirate tackle Deontay Smith, who was selected with the third pick of the fourth round to the Cincinnati Bengals. Former Pirate receiver Blake Pro ended up going undrafted, but was signed by the Minnesota Vikings. A local who also heard his name called was former J. Trose Rampant and Clemson standout receiver Cornell Powell. Powell selected with the 181st overall pick in the fifth round to the Kansas City Chiefs. Elsewhere in the league, teams are still deciding whether to pick up or decline players' fifth-year options. And a player who surprisingly didn't get their options picked up was Cowboys linebacker and former pro bowler Leighton Vander Esch. A few other players who did not get their options picked up include Seahawks running back Rashad Penny, Falcons tight end Hayden Hurst, and Titans linebacker Rashawn Evans. However, a couple players who did have their options picked up over the weekend were Bills quarterback Josh Allen and linebacker Tremaine Ed- Edmonds. The Chicago Bears wasted no time as they felt like they got their franchise left tackle in the draft and Tevin Jenkins. They subsequently cut former starting tackle Charles Leno. And the Washington football team has a new running back as record-time Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson went and drafted inside with the team this morning. Patterson ran for eight touchdowns and over 400 yards in one game and a win against Kent State last season while also rushing for over 1,000 yards and 19 touchdowns in six games last season. Moving on to college basketball, UNC forward Armando Baycott revealed that he'll be returning to UNC. Top transfer for Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones commits to Michigan State. Shaquille O'Neal's son, Shakir O'Neal, commits to Texas Southern. That's going to do it for your 94th of the game sports update. I'm Ben Barman. We return ECU baseball head coach Cliff Godwin on the team series against Wichita State next. Outkick with Clay Travis. If the White House reaches out and says the president would like to do your show, the answer is always going to be okay. Period. And if that upsets you, you can go listen to a much less successful radio show somewhere else in the country. Every morning, 6 till 9 on Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Play ball! It's time to head inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate baseball coach Cliff Godwin on your home for East Carolina baseball. 94-3, the game. Going back, looking up. See you later. Patrick Johnson's visit with Coach Godwin is covered by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and New Bern. Also by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Here's Patrick Johnson with Coach Cliff Godwin. Pirates over the weekend get a split out at Wichita State, a, uh, an interesting series. Uh, Cliff Godwin is uh, with us here as we'll uh, go inside the ECU clubhouse with the Pirate head coach here. Coach, uh, a tough uh, series, an interesting series, four very distinctive and, and different games, uh, and your guys on Sunday uh, coming up just short. 
yeah, we uh, yeah, very very different game. Obviously, game one was a pretty dominant performance by Gavin. We played well. Uh, we actually had a break, um, unlike the doubleheaders we have here. It wasn't 45 minutes after. It was scheduled for 6 o'clock. I think we got done at 3.30 in game one. So the hotel that we stayed in was about three minutes away from the park. So we were able to go back to the hotel, have some food. You know, I showered. I think a couple guys showered. Just, you know, it's like two separate games. And yeah. I thought that would be worse. But um, to be honest with you, we just did not look like we were interested in trying to win another game. It was, hey, we're here and – uh, Cooch pitched great, but our position players, as I told him after the game, I was really disappointed. It's my fault. Look, man, I'm the head coach, and I told him to, uh, we have not been great in game two. We've won some game twos of a doubleheader, but we haven't played the same energy and, yeah. uh, just bounce in our step, and that matters. And yeah, it was a close game, and so I mean, it's two to two, but we left some opportunities from a scoring perspective on the table in game two where I thought if we were mentally locked in like we were in game one, we'd have had a lead and then it's different. And the one thing is the weekend continued to progress is once they got rolling, they were hard to stop. But when we were ahead or, you know, we weren't just walking guys or something, they, they weren't great offensively. So when they got rolling, man, it was kind of like a big league club hitting yeah. pitching. And they, game two, game three, Smitty was terrific. Uh, position players played terrific. Uh, one of our most complete games of all year. And then yesterday, uh, we, we just got to be better on the mound to start with. And, and there's, that's the end of it. And we just dug ourselves too deep a hole. We had to get to bullpen the first inning. It's just not going to be to win a college baseball game. I was really proud. We were down 11 to three. Um, very easily could have packed it up and our guys continued to fight. We brought the time run to the plate in the ninth inning, I think the eighth and the ninth inning, and uh, uh, it just didn't happen because we were too far from behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the case. Sometimes you can get behind so much that even a, an effort like yesterday offensively, which is you know might normally be enough runs to win a game, uh, just came up short in Cam Colmore. Well, Matt Bridges and Cam Colmore, really everybody, Mayhew, Bridges, and, and Colmore, uh, kind of answered the bell a little bit yesterday, I know. Uh, Mayhew ended up giving up a couple of uh, unearned runs in his outing. Uh, but the guys came out and really battled on the mound, too. But at the plate, uh, they, they did as well. You know, I, 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 I Yeah, go ahead, Coach. Yeah, I didn't think Mayhew pitched good, and I thought of that. So, um, Bridgie was just okay. Um, Cam Colmore was a warrior. <laughs> the performance he did yesterday is as good as it gets, especially – I mean, I think they had went six runs, one, two, two. Cam comes in zero, 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 zero. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we've got Cliff Godwin with us uh, here. A uh, couple things we want to talk about uh, with Coach, but uh, we, we did start on here, and he gave us some good insight into kind of each uh, uh, game. Let's go back in between uh, the, the first game and the second game on, on Friday. You talked about – uh, you know, time off in between that, that essentially is like the old split double header. I mean, you, you rarely kind of see those anymore. Um, you see them a lot at the big league level, but that's kind of what that was, was, was kind of a split double header. I, I don't believe there's anything like that remaining on the schedule. Um, I, I don't think what the, the final series in the regular season USF's intended to be that. I mean, there's a good amount of time between the games, but nothing like 
uh, there was here. So when that wrapped up early, um, did you guys kind of have to make that decision? Hey, we're going back to the hotel because it made no sense, I guess, to hang around the ballpark. Well, we we had made the decision before because our hotel was so close. Right, we right. Stayed at two years ago, back in nineteen, uh, we couldn't have done that because it was like twenty five minutes away from the field. So it just was really convenient for us. And I wanted our guys. They they have a visitors locker room there. Their facilities are actually uh, really really nice. <laughs> I think Wichita State's got really really nice facilities, like yeah. indoor. Uh, that you can hit inside. When I say hit it, like you could do a scrimmage inside with infielders and pitchers and hitters. Um, that's how big their indoor is. Like you could have a full infield um, and just you couldn't have the outfielders out there. Right. Um, they have a really nice facility. They have a visitor's team locker room that, you know, okay, um, not huge, but I want our guys to be able to kind of get food, spread out, relax, um, you know, all that good stuff. And, and, and unfortunately, it did not work out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Williams, you, you noted his – I mean, lights out again. And right now there might not be uh, anywhere in the country a, a guy that has gone out there and delivered in every start like he has the last several. Been pretty consistent, you know, taking the ball every Friday once he got healthy. And, um, you know, it's been pretty special. And look, our guys have a ton of confidence when he's on the mound. He has grown up so much in the past four years and, and the way he maneuvers through older lineups because everybody's older in college baseball and uh, being able to, you know, throw his breaking ball for a strike, a slaughter for a strike, move his fastball around, show a change every once in a while. It's just been special. Um, you know, we're really blessed to have him in our program. And then Tyler Smith, you noted this too, but I just wanted to elaborate on it, Coach Godwin. Um, I mean, there, there's a there's a bulldog guy, mentality about uh, these older guys sometimes, and uh, he he came out and uh, certainly uh, did what he had to do to uh, to get you guys in the winner's circle on Saturday. Smitty, look, and, and this has been the toughest thing for you know this year is these older guys at times that put even added pressure on themselves mm-hmm. uh, because they won't want it so bad. They want to win it so bad. So that's been the, you know, the biggest challenge for us is to take the pressure off of them um, just because they've won a lot of games. I mean, you don't need to do anything more than you did two years ago. Just do, just be yourself. And um, I knew when Smitty's mind was right that, that he's going to pitch good. He's got great stuff and he's done it, done it for too long as I knew Cooch would pitch well. When Cooch has got the right thoughts going through his head, he's good. And he was good on uh, Saturday, or, yeah, uh, the game two of, of Friday. He's right. really good at pitch against a really good team um, this year. Uh, Coach, they had uh, had some, you know, kind of a, started off really, really well, if I recall, had hit a point where they had, you know, lost some games, uh, but they were tough at home. Uh, what were your impressions overall of this Wichita State team? Um, you just can't let it get on the roll. You got to stay out the big innings, but once they get rolling, it's like a locomotive that's not stopping. And doesn't matter who you put on the mound. It's you know they're and they didn't have huge crowds by any means, but the crowds will get behind it, and it was like just a locomotive that wasn't stopping. It's inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate baseball coach Cliff Godwin. I'm Patrick Johnson. It's brought to you by the Gavigan Agency Insurance and Financial Services and Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center. 
We'll get back to this year's Pirate team in just a little bit. Also, uh, take a little bit of a closer look at what the rest of the week holds uh, academically and on field. A little earlier, we uh, talked on the uh, radio show with uh, George Whitfield. He's got a book out, and uh, that's, uh, boy, you know, I can think back 20 years ago interviewing George Whitfield uh, about Pirate Baseball and Coach LeClaire and, uh, you know, just that it was entertaining uh, interview. Anything you talk to Coach Witt about is is entertaining. We we've talked about this. I mean, you played for a legendary uh, high school coach, just a legendary baseball coach. Uh, your dad, a great coach uh, in his own right. Uh, you've played for Coach Leclaire, uh, Coach Overton recruited him. Mean, I just think of all the influences, uh, and not this is not even talking about the places you've worked uh, in your career, uh, the coaches that you've been on their staff but when you talk about just kind of a, a, an influence of baseball for young guys in in your career but also just all across this part of the state George Whitfield uh, is is as big an influence as anybody there need to be more people like coach Witt and coach Fulgham and all the people that you mentioned uh, um, that were just huge influences in my life and they taught me so many life lessons but coach Witt they talking about a guy at the time when Coach LeClaire got hired. I think at that time he had won more high school baseball games than any other coach in the state of North Carolina. And Coach LeClaire asked him to come work for free. And, uh, you know, Coach Witt, um, I think he tells the story and he will tell it better than me. But, you know, he, he really didn't know Coach LeClaire, but it sounded like a great opportunity to come work for free. And, and he now says that that was the best paycheck that he ever had was the years he was working with Coach LeClaire. And Coach Whit, man, no matter how old he is, that dude is as competitive and high-spirited of a human being. And there need to be more people like that in the world. I, I love talking to him. He wants to win um, at everything. He wants the Pirates to win every game. And uh, so so knowledgeable about baseball, but life. I mean, the guy's been around with so many great people, major league players, great coaches. Uh, he, he's just a tremendous human being. And the, the thing is this, he's won at every, I mean, every venture he's won. When he's been a college coach, won. When he's been on the LeClaire staff, the team won. Uh, you mentioned his, you know, runs in high school. Goldsboro and Richmond County, and even at Parrot Academy when he came back a few years ago, they win a state title. Uh, he just wins. That's that's. I mean, that, and, and and the cool thing about it is, you said, Coach, not only does do his teams win, but there's life lessons with everything. That that's the big thing. Absolutely, and I think the world needs more competitive people because if you're competitive and you have work ethic, you don't figure it out. Even if you make some mistakes along the way, you're gonna figure it out. Coach Witt figured it out a long time ago. And um, like you said, he's won everywhere. I mean, that's not coincidence. It's not just, hey, he had really great players at every stop. No, he <laughs> knows how to coach young men. Um, and I think he coached in high school, not just baseball, some other sports. I mean, look, yeah, he yeah. loves competing. He loves competing and, you know, uh, finding out ways to win games in the right way. Um, you know, some people think the competitive gene is – you know, a bad thing. Well, no, it's not. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing um, because, you know, there's winners and losers in life. And, um, you know, Coach Witt taught a ton of life lessons throughout his coaching career to a lot of people. I mean, I, I can't imagine the number of people that have had his influence that could come back. I mean, you would be able to 
hold them in the stadium here at Clark LeClaire because there would be too many of them. Oh, it's generational too now. I mean, you got, I'm sure, grandparents whose grandchildren, you know, it's, it, that's the kind of yeah. thing it is now. Um, Cliff Godwin is with us uh, here. L- let me uh, let me ask you about uh, this, you know, and this is just to kind of get your reaction to this. So a, a friend of mine from LaGrange went a few years ago out with Coach Whitfield to Omaha. And yeah. they say when Coach Whitfield comes and in, goes into Omaha, I mean, it's, you know, Right this way, Mr. Whitfield. Now, they do things first class at the College World Series anyway, but, I mean, you know, this is uh, – the guy The guy walks in and it's like Elvis walked in the building in, in certain circles. I mean, it's, uh, it's a big well, thing. <laughs> going – I don't know how long. I mean, he's been going for probably 20 straight years. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, that's who he is when he walks in the door. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. And I'm hoping – that uh, he's able to keep going and uh, he'll get to see the Pirates play. I think we all are. Well, you are, and we all are. Uh, but that'd yeah. be great, too. He'd be – boy, you talk about uh, how proud somebody would be. I mean, you'd have a lot of people that'd be proud. He'd be as proud as anybody uh, when, he, when he that would, happens. Uh, he wouldn't be able to contain himself, uh, which is why I love him. He's just – he'd be so fired up, uh, you know, for – Everybody but Coach player and the people that built the program. And it's just, you know, obviously it's a, it's a great story and Coach Whip being a huge part of it. It's a heck of a book, uh, and uh, we hope everybody will pick it up. Bethany Bradshaw uh, wrote it uh, or, or kind of uh, co-wrote it with uh, Coach Witt. So uh, a real honor to get a hold of, uh, of him today and talk with him. Uh, let's uh, return our attention back to uh, the Pirates. Two lanes coming in. This is obviously an important series because of where uh, both teams are in the standings now. Again, Coach, I know you haven't delved uh, uh, terribly deep at this point, probably into the green wave, but uh, at this point in the season, you kind of maybe notice some trends or, or how teams have done. What is uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the green wave uh, coming in, uh, be it this year's edition or just kind of historically what you expect out of them? Well, they started out slow this year at the beginning of the year, which was really, uh, I was kind of perplexed by because I knew they were really good. and They just gotten on a roll and they're hot. And I think they won 12 in a row and then Houston beat them one time and then they beat them. So, you know, they've won 12 out of the last 13 games. So they're just hot. They're playing well, playing with a ton of confidence. They're good. Uh, they got really good. The Friday night guy is a dude. Um, as they have great pitching and they have uh, played good defense and they're great out there. They're just a good team, and uh, yeah, we'll have our hands full this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach, what will be the things that uh, you guys are going to need to, the Pirates are going to need to uh, put emphasis on this week leading up to that home series? Well, we're in the middle of exams, Patrick, so we're going to put emphasis on academics. Uh, you know, our guys start exams on Thursday, and uh, – so, I mean, guys had some stuff they had to take care of over the weekend. And um, it, it's always just a, a unique juggling act with playing games, especially a four-game weekend. And now, because of a lot of classes being online, professors were uh, assigning stuff on Saturday and Sunday, which is different than when you're in normal classes because they don't have exams on Saturday and Sunday because they're all face-to-face. So this year was another curveball. and. Um, so today and tomorrow, we're getting our guys just to focus on academics. They'll lift weights, but we're going to stay off the baseball field for the next two days mm-hmm. to let them uh, take care of their academics, and then we'll practice on Wednesday and Thursday to get ready for Tulane. 
That's uh, as an important part of this uh, program as anything uh, is the academic uh, part of it. And, and ECU has been um, fabulous academically, the team has, uh, the last several years. We've talked about that. Uh, Friday at uh, 1 o'clock, uh, first game of the doubleheader of 12.45 here on 94.3, the game. Uh, the uh, game follows uh, 45 minutes, game two does after, and then uh, Saturday at 4, Tulane and uh, ECU Sunday, Mother's Day, 1230 uh, against uh, Tulane, an important uh, four-game series coming up for both the Pirates and Green Wave uh, this week. Coach, thanks for the time here, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, Patrick. This has been Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin, presented by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy could save your life. And by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and Newburgh. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, great baseball day today. Do appreciate uh, Cliff Godwin as always. And if you ever miss an edition of the show or that podcast, go to 94.3thegame.com. It drops. There's the podcast with Coach Godwin about 10 yeah, somewhere between 9.30 and 10 every Monday morning. Uh, 94.3 The Game, your destination to go there. Uh, the book covering all the bases, George Whitfield's Extraordinary Life in Baseball, profiling the life and achievements of Coach Whitfield, uh, a true original in Eastern North Carolina. And uh, Bethany Bradshaw, who wrote the book, will be on with us a little later in the week. Uh, thanks to Coach Witt today for his time. Also to Coach Godwin. Ben, always great. Job is uh, normal. And uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Uh, Cornell Powell, drafted by the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, will be on the show with us tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>